0: Welcome into the latest edition of Sharpshooters. I'm David Schuster, joined as always by my hoops junkie partner, Mr. Andy Roth. And this podcast, as always, is brought to you by DraftKings and more from our sponsor in just a little bit. Today, we are joined by a very, very special guest, Kate Scott, who is the Philadelphia 76ers TV play-by-play announcer. And she uh, has already filled in those big shoes of filling in for Mark Zumov, who has also been on this podcast and is a longtime friend of mine. I love Mark. And I love Kate now, too, because <laughs> I, I will tell you this, Kate. You know, I when I sat next to you for the Sixers game recently, and I don't normally listen to the announcers because I've known them for all these years, a lot of those people. But yeah. I listened very closely to you doing the game, and I was thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying your broadcast. So I just gotta Mm. tell you that you come across very pleasant and informative. And that's a daily double that will serve you well the rest of your entire career.
1: Wow. That means so much, David. Thank you for saying that. Anytime you want to start with a compliment, that's a great way (laughs) to start with with Andy, uh, my basketball historian who I can't wait to chat with too. It's great to be with you guys. Thanks, Thanks. yeah, and, and
0: let, let me just give a little bit of a background. We're not going to turn this into a Ralph Edwards, this is your life or anything like that. But <laughs> Good, Kate, please Kate, don't. Kate, if I'm not mistaken, you grew up in Northern California, correct?
1: So I grew up in Central California. Central California, my Reson apologies. Columbus, and and oh. then I've been in Northern California for the last 20 okay, years. Okay, so. correct.
0: So thank you for correcting me. You're also the pride of Cal Berkeley, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs>
1: I try to be, go Bears.
0: Yeah, my my sister went there a long, long time ago during the (laughs) turbulent years, if you will. But I'm sure it's still a fun place to be then and now. Uh, Anyway, uh, Kate's done college football. She's done Pac-12 basketball. She worked at KNBR with a lot of friends of mine uh, over the years. And and now she uh, has graduated to the NBA and and, uh, she's been fantastic so far. And you are potentially, potentially, we'll talk about this, of course, Broadcasting an NBA championship team. Congratulations, Ooh. Kate. And I'm just
1: wondering how much well, can we knock on wood real quick? Can all, can all of us just knock on wood right there? Yeah. All right.
0: Well, let, let's start with at least even the last couple of games because those are the first two games that James Harden has played and yeah. he's been fantastic. So if he had any injuries prior to those last two games, it sure looks like miraculously they've gone away. And I was a little fearful. That you know he might try and dominate the basketball, but if you look at his assist total in mm-hmm. these last two games, I think he's on a on a, uh, a he's he's trying to go out of his way to make sure that Joel Embiid, who I think is going to win the MVP award anyway, but Ooh, I think I, so. I, I
1: think he's actually trying to help his new teammate win that award. Am I wrong about that? Uh, I- I think it'd be really hard to find anybody, especially me, who's going to disagree with you there, David, but uh, the smoothness of the transition and I'm expecting there to be hiccups. Maybe they're going to happen Wednesday against the Knicks. Who knows? But I'm sure at some point there's going to be growing pains. But I was shocked, to be honest with you, at how quickly things came together in their first game together in Minnesota, because the night before, they practiced at the University of Minnesota, just down the road. And Doc is incredible. He's let me go to practices, shoot-arounds. He said, anything, Kate, that will help you get as comfortable as possible, as quickly as possible, just let me know. And I've asked if I can come to practice. So I was there, and like, like any team who's working with a new point guard, there was a lot of balls that were thrown behind guys and out of bounds and off people's faces, and there was chuckles and everybody was having a good time but it did not look as pretty not even close to as pretty as it did uh in minnesota that first night and completely agree with you when it comes to not just getting Joel involved but everybody and i think that was even more clear in the one over the knicks because 16 assists. I mean, he tied a season high, so that's the number. But he did it not just to Joel, Tyrese Maxi, a second-rate good game. My dog was a little upset that she didn't get as many passes. as Maybe Matisse Bible or, or, or Tobias Harris. But, yeah, I, I saw that in practice. I've seen that in shoot-around, and I've seen it in the first two games. And expect that to continue because you guys saw it kind of in Brooklyn too, right? I mean, that was who he was way back at the start of his career in OKC as well. It was get KD. Get Russell Westbrook the ball, and I'm a good shooter too. But I'm going to more facilitate. So I'm I'm personally very happy to see that guy back now
2: here in Philly. How would you describe the spirit of the locker room going from the Ben Simmons cloud to now getting hardened in there?
1: Yeah, I, I think you nailed exactly the word I've been using this week, Andy, in some other interviews. It did feel like there was a cloud, and that's why it was so impressive to me how well the guys played even with that cloud. I I think we all know um, that tough times can either bring you together or tear you apart, and it really seemed from the very start of the season that the guys looked at each other and said, we're all we've got and we're all we need. If Ben decides to join, great, but we're not expecting him to, so let's just – figure out how we're going to make this work with us. Um, so the vibe was great, but there was still that cloud, uh, especially the last couple of weeks leading up to the trade deadline. I could tell Tobias, I could tell Matisse, I could tell Tyrese. I mean, almost every guy in the team had their name floated in some room or somewhere, and you could tell that it was starting to weigh on them. So I have felt the guys who were here before, just relax. The cloud is gone. The sun is out. And then on top of that, there's just this excitement. (laughs) I wasn't sure what James Harden was going to be, right? We've all seen and read all the things the last couple of years, saw him work his way out of Houston, and now obviously Brooklyn most recently. But the guys are just having even more fun, it seems like, laughing, smiling. And I I don't want to go as far to say it reminds me kind of a a high school team, but you guys know when we were playing ball growing up and we didn't have the responsibilities that we do now as adults it was there was a lightness to it and again very early sample size but that's what it feels like so far that the cloud is gone and now the superstar who's really excited to be here is here so all the guys who are still here are really excited he's here and it's just kind of building on that excitement
0: hey kate i want to go back to what we already mentioned uh, joelle and bead um listen i fell in love with this guy the very first time I, with my own eyes, I watched him because I saw him dive on the floor for a basketball and seven quarters don't normally do that. And that's why right then and there, I said, this guy is going to be great. And he's already the best center in basketball. Nothing's changed my mind. Um, Talk about him, talk about his, uh, his his incentive for winning and obviously his talent. And again, I think he's the MVP uh, in waiting right now. Um, Also, It's all about matchups and not many teams will match up against them. Certainly the Bulls have never matched up against them because he's 10 and 0 when he's been healthy and playing against the Bulls. So if the Bulls face Philly in the first round, the Bulls are going to lose. It's just that simple. But just talk about Joel because he's really a freakish uh, of nature, just a talent.
1: Well, I I think you guys know we were talking before we went live here. Uh, about basketball in the 70s and 80s when when we were growing up and it was kind of the heyday of the sport and joel just feels like i know people have said well he's part shaquille and he's part hakeem and let's also throw in some some jordan and kobe because of the way he spins and fades on the baseline like a guard but but he is still a seven foot two inch 280 pound center can play very well back to the basket who we've now seen starting to roll to the basket a little more these last couple games um it is a joy and a pleasure to watch him play because he is so talented you guys know i was lucky enough to be in the bay covering stephen curry the past 10 years and and i just Every time I could, told people, do not take a second of this for granted. You are seeing a generational talent. So to go from that, one of the best guards, to now get to see this guy day in and day out. And again, I come back to that word I said, joy. Uh, That's what everybody has told me who's been here obviously longer than me, that he's always had this talent. But the way he is playing with such enthusiasm this year, he seems so happy, especially the last couple of games. And his leadership has taken a step up as well off the court. You guys know how important that is. You can be a great talent on, but unless you get the rest of your guys to want to play hard and dive on the floor, like you said, David, with you. And he's doing that this year.
0: You know, I I love – guys like Steph Curry I mean he's one in a million obviously but to me basketball is always going to be a big man sport and if you have a dominant big man you are way ahead of the game pun intended and in the last game he shot 27 free throws I mean that's unheard of I mean that's just unheard of I mean is so is there just like uh like we talked about earlier Harden's trying to get him the ball and he's just going to the hoop is that what's going on even these last two games
1: well, that's what he said, and, and they were joking about that, actually, after the win over the Knicks, where he went 23 of 27. So I believe it was the most free throws attempted since, I think, Anthony Davis back in 2019. And that's a career high for makes for Joel. And that's the thing. He's, he's not a Shaquille. You can't hack a Joel or you're going to be screwed because he's such a good free throw shooter. But he said after the game, look. Either James is going to be at the free throw line because he's so good at getting there or he is so good at holding the ball to the very last second that I'm so close to the restricted area when I get it that the guys either are going to foul me or I'm going to score. They have so little choice. And that's why he shot 27 free throws on Sunday.
2: Kate, what's really impressed me about Joel this year is the investment as a passer, the way he's been reading and reacting to the double teams and pointing the guys on the floor where to go when the Mm -hmm. ball goes into the low post. Is that something he wanted to improve on this year?
1: Yeah, that was one of the things he said he worked on in the offseason. And I think it's so easy for us to forget because he probably is going to go down as one of the top 100 guys to ever play this game, if not higher. But he's 27 years old. He grew up in Cameroon playing soccer and volleyball. He thought he was going to be a professional soccer player. He didn't even start playing basketball until he was a teenager. And now he's 27. So it's taken him a while to learn the intricacies of this game. Obviously, it forced it. at first it was brute force, and then it was scoring, and then it was playing defense. And now, Andy, as you said, he's starting to realize, because he is so intelligent and you can see how well he sees the floor, that he was just our quarterback for the first three quarters of the season until James just arrived because Tyrese and some other guys were splitting the point guard duties. But, but when you're seven two up there at the top of the key, it's much easier to pick out what's going on. And you saw him, as you said, pointing guys around. So yeah, that was one of the things he said in the off season Uh, coming off of the loss to the Hawks. He said, look, Yes, you can point fingers at Ben or Matisse missing free throws. Hey, I what do you have, six or seven turnovers in Game 7 last year? He said, that's on me. If I want to be an MVP in this league, I cannot. that cannot be my assist-to-turnover ratio. I have to flip that thing on its head. I need to be a better distributor. distributor. So I'm so glad you noticed that, Andy, because it's been a focus of his game, and I think he's
2: doing really well.
0: Hey, Kate, Getting I back to to
2: Har- oh, go, go ahead, David. No, you go uh, ahead. All yeah. right. Getting back to Harden for a second, if there's one player that – Might have to make an adjustment. Would that be Tobias Harris? I noticed nine shot attempts in the first two games where he's been averaging 15 for the season.
1: Yeah. uh, And that's obviously been a point of discussion here in Philly the last couple of days. But I expect that to, to shake itself out. You know, one of the things that Tobias missed with Ben not being available for the first part of the season was So good at just getting down the floor and getting those transition buckets and didn't really have that at the start of the season. So it sounds like folks are hopeful that he'll be able to resume that role, get himself going because Doc and everybody does like him best when he gets downhill early in the game. But, yeah, you're right, because his his other moves have been posting up on the block, turn around, and he's probably not going to get as many of those. But as Doc said after the last game, and I think all these players agree and realize, especially a guy like Tobias, who's played a decade plus in the league. It's not about who scores the most points or who gets the most shots up. These guys want to win a title. And that's why they brought James here. Hey, Kate,
0: I, I know you weren't around Ben Simmons's entire stay in Philadelphia, but I mean, you were around him at least while he was on the sidelines this year. Why yeah. did it not work? And, and was it uh, was it to complete the whole season that they had to move on from him?
1: Yeah, gosh, that's a good question, David. And to be honest, uh, my interaction with Ben was seeing him at the few practices he was here, and that was it. Had no interaction with him. So Mm -hmm. I can only speak second and third hand knowledge, but it sounded like uh, he was not going to play basketball for the Sixers this year. And I think everybody probably knew that. Um, and I look forward to this offseason diving into folks have told me to watch, uh, I believe it was a, a Showtime documentary a number of years ago. Um, but everybody has just told me that um, they, they wish for better things for him and they, they have compassion for him because from their perspective, he's one of those superstar athletes who from a very young age people around him said, you're going to be our superstar. You're going to be the guy who's going to make us all zillions of dollars. So nobody ever told him no. He never had to overcome challenges. And again, this is second, third hand knowledge, but we all, we've all seen athletes like that in every sport. And then you get to the big leagues and you fail for the first time and you don't know how to handle it. And all of a sudden you're being forced to take responsibility, but Everybody around you has never let you do that before. So it sounds like the word I keep coming back to when I hear this from people is sad because he is, we all can see, a great basketball player. But is he going to want to improve? Is this going to be a better setting for him? We we all wish him the best. But, yeah, I I don't really know what happens.
0: You know, it's really unusual for two teams in the same division, literally not that many miles apart, making a massive trade like they just did. But I guess it almost had to happen for both teams. You know, in the short term, I think Philadelphia wins it short term. But, you know, and you've seen this by a lot of pundits also. They worry about in the long run, does Philadelphia, if they don't win a championship with Harden, do they win the deal here? Because, if they resign him in the offseason, he's going to take a lot of money off, you know, from somebody else. And maybe right. uh, Tobias Harris needs to be traded or something along those lines. So what was the talk both beforehand and even more so afterwards when the trade so far? It looks great. Two and oh, both great games by the Sixers. But what was the talk beforehand and even going forward?
1: Yeah, there was a, 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 about a half of the fan base who seemed to want it to go through and wanted James Harden in Philly. But then there was another half who, you know, it, You watch your team and you hate that dude for so long, right? Because he's one of those guys who you always hated when he wasn't on your team. It's kind of hard to accept him. I think all of those fans have suddenly gotten over it in the last couple of games. But when it happened, even everybody here in Philly was saying, this could be a win-win for both teams. And it's so weird, like you said, David, because this so rarely happens in any sport, let alone same conference, same division. But you've got Kevin Durant. You've got Kyrie Irving, maybe. If those guys are full health, we know what phenomenal scores they are. It could be the perfect place for Ben Simmons. Play defense, distribute, it could be perfect for him. And then, obviously, on this side, how is James Harden going to fit with things? Is he going to be willing to distribute like we talked about earlier? So, I don't – so far, 2-0, like you mentioned, it sure looks like the Sixers are winning the trade so far, but I can see down the road a healthy Kyrie, a healthy KD, Ben back to the best of Ben Simmons. I mean, I would I would love for these teams to get to go at in the postseason, wouldn't you guys? That would that would yeah. just be awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you no, know, I, I do think it's a good fit for Ben in terms of having two guys that can create their own shot, like yeah. those two can. It's a different dynamic from having a big man. But I have to wonder, any gut feeling yourself, and just from being around the other guys in the locker room, will Ben ever get over that mental block when it comes to shooting?
1: mm that that is a really good question and, and more than that getting back to a little bit of what i said and again i just want to keep reiterating second third hand i haven't had any interaction with him but does he have the desire to andy because we know that is such a big part of it that's something that people have told me when they've seen joel's development since he got here that he had the talent but then year two or three when a lot of guys make the shift to either a great player or just another good player for a long time, that he decided he wanted to be great and his work ethic changed and his dedication to the game changed. And again, I've heard from people that they're not sure that that exists with Ben. They say that he, he really loves video games, that he is one of those guys who disappears into that world and that he should be a professional gamer. And he's one of those guys who just happens to have the talent to play in the NBA, but they're not sure it's his passion. So, again, I always hope for the best for everybody. So I hope that Ben does figure it out. Maybe this change of scenery, the new guys, less pressure on the shot, Andy, will somehow make him want to work on it in the offseason. But, but I'm, I'm not sure if we're going to see
2: that. I really hope he has that belief in himself at some point because all he really has to do is is look at Giannis from five years ago yeah. that wouldn't take the shot. When he started taking the shot, he was awful. So to to be great in anything, you have to have that belief in yourself. So yeah, I'll just yeah. Leave I hope so it at too. That.
1: I'm right there with you. I hope so
0: too. All right, Kate and Andy, take a breath just for a second. We have a word from our sponsor. Our sponsor, of course, is DraftKings and Hoop fans. The latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is just too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 win mill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any any, any team and get $150 in free bets. If they win, it's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So, Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See draftkings.com/sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. It's void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. The number is 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, it's 888-789-7777. And in New York, the number is 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y. Kate is in Philadelphia. Andy is in the New York metropolitan area. I'm in Chicago. Uh, The Philadelphia 76ers head coach, Doc Rivers. I watched him, Kate, playing high school basketball. I watched him in college. Uh, you know he's got he's won an NBA championship. Andy might find a little bit of fault with his coaching. I, I'm gonna sort of like say that, but Dak Rivers to me is a is a great human being. I love Dak Rivers, and I got a feeling you're gonna echo the same thing.
1: Yeah, and and Andy, you wouldn't be the first. You won't be the last. There's still people giving him a hard time about. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm on Twitter. I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> But, you know, being the head coach, being the quarterback, being the star, oh, too much, yeah, fun, yeah. Too much sometimes. But yeah, David, I mean, uh, one of the first days I was here, I arrived the night before media day in September, late September, and uh, they all took care of the business that day. I didn't want to bug them. But a couple of days after that, I was at uh, practice. And after practice, Doc said, hey, you come, come into my office. And I'm thinking, oh, crap, I'm headed to the principal's office already. What did I do? I haven't even said anything yet. <laughs> And he said, Doc Rivers. And I introduced myself and he said, look, I didn't set out to be the first black anything. I'm sure you didn't set out to be the first woman anything. We're just doing what we love. So why don't you sit down and tell me about yourself. And we talked about California and we talked about golf and we talked about Chicago and we didn't talk anything about the Sixers. We were just getting to know each other a little bit. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, you guys know it's so rare that high school coaches college coaches these days let announcers into practices everybody's so secretive about everything so the fact that an nba coach of his stature has said hey new kid anything you want he lets me watch film with the guys um and i don't take any of that for granted and i've told him that uh thank you you can trust me with all of this information nothing's gonna get out i understand um how wonderful this access is that you're allowing me. So, so I hear, I hear Andy's I hear all the Andes on, on Twitter and stuff. And, oh, I, and, I, and I understand it. Uh, and, and that's one of the great parts about sports, right? We all have opinions. It's great.
2: Yeah. I wanted to ask you about Tyrese Maxey. The, the spotlight was on him this year, the pressure sure, yeah. with Ben on the sidelines. Yeah. How good is this kid going to be? I mean, he's really good already
1: right and how how good has he looked the first couple of games with james harden i love that that was one of the questions how's this gonna work Is, is he gonna be okay beside him oh yeah because now that quick first step that he has looks like a quick eight steps because his defender is out of the play because everybody's trying to double james and joel uh he is gosh he is that kid who reminds me of like skipping onto the blacktop at recess he's so excited to be there I mean, this is a kid who, as you mentioned, was tasked with taking over for an all star in Ben Simmons at the start of the year. The day after Christmas, his house burned down. So he's now living in a furnished rental, which is not a big deal. But it, your house burns down in the middle of the season. Then right after that, he got covid. He was asymptomatic, a lot of lo- like a lot of guys, but he had to then sit in an apartment for 10 days. And still he's managed to be consistently good made the rising stars game and everybody was giving him a hard time about not scoring. But I told him, Tyrese, I love that you were the only guy out there looking to pass the ball and looking like you were tracking down rebounds in the rising stars game. Nobody does that kid. Um, But I think because of his joy for the game, he is, Truly one of the first ones in the gym. Like, they have to keep him out. Some days he tries to get there at 6 a.m. Tyrese, we told you you couldn't get here until 8. Go get a coffee or something, bud. We don't want you to be here. Uh, So he has that desire of wanting to get better. Doc is hard on him. Sam Cassell, another great point guard in the league. Those guys are in his ear, and he says, guys, I want you to be hard on me. You are guys That were legends in the game growing up. He was joking when James got here. I used to play him on NBA 2K and now he's my teammate. I'm so excited about this. So uh, I think he's got a chance to be really, really good, Andy, especially since that jump shot is coming along as we've seen the last couple of months. So I'm I'm very excited for this youngster.
2: He, He seems like a very humble, grounded guy. Would I be correct?
1: A hundred percent. So his dad played basketball at Washington State. Um, Tyrone, his mom, Denise, was an athlete as well. Uh, Tyrese turned 21 back in the fall. And, you know, what, what would most NBA players who are, who are turning 21 do? I think we can all think, oh, he went out to lunch with mom and dad for his 21st birthday and then just got back in the gym. So extremely humble, extremely grateful um, to be playing the sport. And that was what he said. We asked him in January, about a month after the house burned down. How are you doing, all this kid? And he said, "You guys, I'm getting paid to play NBA basketball. Think about what everybody else my age is having to do. Maybe just to pay their rent. Maybe just to get by. And I'm I'm just 21 years old. I can take care of my whole family already. I'm getting to play beside Joel Embiid in this incredible sports city. Like it gives me chills just saying that again because the perspective for such a young kid. So, yeah, Andy, he he's got a great head on his shoulders."
0: Kate, I'm not at all surprised that Doc, when he sat you down that first time, wanted to talk about everything other than the Sixers. I, because he's the ultimate people person, by the way. I, I've known him a long time myself. But I want to go back to probably some of the things that he, he wanted to know about you when you were growing up. Were you into sports when you were growing up? Did you know at some juncture this was the avenue you wanted to get into? And it's hard not to, you know, talk about the fact that you are the first NBA Home team play-by-play, Lisa Byington is now doing it in Milwaukee. Doris Burks has done it, for, of course, for ESPN. Yeah. It's, it's a small but a, a very successful fraternity. I'm wondering if you could talk about your background getting into the business and now being, you know, one, one, of, the, one of the many uh, who would aspire to do exactly what you're doing.
1: Yeah, I, I was a sports nut from as far back as I can remember, playing everything, basketball, soccer, tennis, running track and field, we played roller hockey in the street growing up. And I remember this is how old I am. I I know it's not going to feel old to you guys, but any youngsters listening to the podcast, you guys remember when ESPN didn't have the rights to anything. So if you were watching ESPN, you were watching Aussie rules football, you were watching bowling, uh, America's cup sailing. I remember that was the first time I watched. And I just had to watch every minute of it. I didn't care what was on. And my parents, casual sports fans, my dad, casual sports fan, but not like the diehard Jersey wearing go to games we would go to one San Francisco Giants game a year because that was all my family could afford. We'd go up, see the game, drive back down, wouldn't even spend the night in San Francisco because it was too expensive. But I was just obsessed with sports from a young age. Uh, Travel soccer was my travel sport. I thought I was going to go to college and play soccer. Uh, I was being recruited and then junior year in high school, I tore my meniscus. Uh, My life came crashing down, right? As a 16 year old kid thinking you have your future set out for you. I was going to play for the U.S. women's national team and then, all of a sudden that dried up, but it finally gave me the space in my schedule because i played four varsity sports all four years. Uh, my senior year, I started writing for the school newspaper because I loved writing. So I said, I'm going to write sports. And midway through the year, I became a sports editor. I was so obsessed with it. I was going in on Saturdays, helping align the paper back in the day uh, and then went to Cal, UC Berkeley, knowing that I wanted to major in communications, didn't know what I wanted to do. Play by play was not even uh, a pipe dream at the time because there were so few women doing it. I distinctly remember it wasn't until my junior year in college that I heard Beth Moans calling a Mountain West football game because I was out there on the West Coast <laughs> and it was like, ah, oh, San Diego State, Fresno State, here we go. And it took me about halfway through the game to even realize what was different about it. And then I finally realized, well, that's a woman calling this game. Uh, it Wasn't until after I graduated, I did TV uh, and print when I was in college. A little bit after i graduated one of the guys who i'd worked with on a cal highlight show where i was just a little student reporter he said hey i've got a high school football package i think you should call some games and i said paul you're crazy i've never called okay. anything and he said kate none of the dudes who i'm asking to do this have called anything either there's going to be 10 people watching it's going to be awful but i think you can do it i know you know football why don't you just give it a shot and see what you think uh and in about the third quarter of that game the game was awful. I'm sure it sounded horrific, but I I called a great touchdown. It was a deep pass. I nailed the players, and I remember feeling this rush, like I hadn't had that rush since I played sports. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, man, I suck at this now, but if I can get somewhat decent at it, I would love to try to make this a career. And then started doing it little by little.
2: Was there any play-by-play person that uh, you admired or, or studied Uh, that maybe you took something from?
1: Uh, there was, gosh, there's so many, but out in the Bay area, I don't know if you guys all know this name, but Barry Tompkins, uh, Mm -hmm. who's, who's well known for his showtime boxing, but Barry called a ton of pac 10 sports when I was growing up now the pac 12 and was always on the television in California. And I, I just love the way that I could always hear Barry smiling when he was calling the games, because you could tell he was just happy to be there. And he was extremely knowledgeable, but he didn't get, get in the way of the big place. He just accented them. And that's, that's how I've tried to, shape myself as well I try to be energetic and really fun but let the play do the talking everybody's asking if uh, what's my catchphrase going to be and I don't have any yet. I'm, I may as I get older, but I really just want the game to do the talking. And Barry, I reached out to him, cold call, just got his number from a friend, said, uh, hey, sir, I'm getting into play-by-play before that first high school game. And he met me for coffee in uh, Sausalito, which is just across the Golden Gate Bridge wow. from San Francisco. We were there for three hours. He brought me his football boards. Oh, and we're still, we're still really good friends. So I, I like to point to him as my first mentor in this biz.
0: Kate, Kate, do you and uh, Lisa, you know, compare any kind of notes? Being you know the two female play-by-play TV announcers, mm-hmm. and 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 also Ala Abdelnabi is your uh, color commentator. He's a stitch. People don't realize that's <laughs> pretty damn funny. I mean, so initially, initially, yeah. initially he's is a little dry, but then then he opens up. He's pretty funny. So what what's it like working with him? And what were your conversations, if any, with Lisa?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, Ala is uh, so wonderful. Uh, I don't think. I could have asked for a better partner because of what you said, David. Such a great sense of humor, so knowledgeable about the game, such a worldly person. So we can go anywhere on the broadcast. And you know, it's a regional broadcast. So that's a lot, a lot of us. And there's been blowouts, both the Sixers doing the blowing out and the other way around. And you get to the end of one of those games and you just want to have fun. So yeah. having an absolute blast with Allah. Um, and, and I try to bring the fun out of him. I know that some Sixers fans are like, can you just get back to calling the game? And I say, yeah, yeah, when we're not down 25 points, I will definitely get back to calling the game. But right now we're gonna have some fun. Uh, so I, I feel so fortunate to have that guy as my partner. And with Lisa, you know, all <laughs> I told her because her announcement came out a couple of days before mine, and I texted her, I'm so freaking pissed that you are the first, because <laughs> mine's out in a couple of days. But Now that we're here, I'm so glad that we're starting this journey together because I think it would have been, there have already been difficult moments, but the fact that we can reach out to each other, we text at least once a week, just, hey, how's it going? What what have you seen recently? And obviously when we play each other, we haven't been able to call one of our games yet because they've all been national, but I think our last game in the series is here in Philly uh, in late March, and that's finally a non-national game. But I'm just so proud of her because... She's She's been doing this just as long as me. She had a slightly different path, um, but she seems like a great fit for Milwaukee, and I'm so glad they took that chance on her because I think she's a phenomenal broadcaster, so it, it's great to be doing this with her.
2: By the way, Kate, you brought up the 27 free throw attempts by Joel the other day. Being an old-time Sixer fan, I have to go back to March 2nd, 1962. Yep. A certain player went 28 for 32, so you, you, next time you see Joelle... You have to ask him, was he disappointed he didn't catch the Big Dipper that day?
1: 28
2: for 32. That's wild. Were you at that game, Andy? No, that was in Hershey, Pennsylvania, actually. Okay. And and I will tell you, 36 of 63 from the floor.
1: I mean, I saw something earlier this season. I don't know if it was his monthly totals or just what he did in a week, but I had to stare at them for a good minute to see that they were real. Because people don't – I'm sure a lot of kids don't remember. There was no three-point line. Not that he was going to be shooting threes anyway, but the right. production, the consistency, I just – I'm jealous that you got to see him play. Last last one from me, and
0: I'm sure Andy will have one last one also. And appreciate your time, of course, Kate. Again, you're just an My absolute pleasure. delight. Um, The East is so bunched up. That's one of the stories in the NBA this year is the fact that you could be, you know, on top of the Eastern Conference and 10 days later, you could be, you know, almost in a play in position. That's how bunched up it is. What is your I mean, I'm sure you're hoping that Philly not only gets to the top, but makes the longest of long runs. What is your hunch? What's going to
1: happen in the East? Because honestly,
0: I have no clue what's going to
1: happen. I, I know. Me neither. Doesn't that make this this final sprint to the finish of the regular season so darn fun? I know. I know. Adam Silver and the NBA are just rubbing their hands together, saying, "Man, that playing game was a great idea," because who knows? It could be the Brooklyn Nets in the playing game. I mean, your Chicago Bulls are having a fantastic season. Uh, I don't know if Andy is a Knicks or Nets supporter. I know he has some Sixer roots as well. But um, I, I think a lot of us are surprised at how quickly the Knicks went from how great a story they were last season to now is Tibbs done anyway. uh, So I have no idea what's going to happen in the East. And that makes me very excited just as a fan of this game, but getting back to what I told you to knock on wood about earlier, um, very small sample size, but the Sixers sure have looked pretty unstoppable the last couple of games. Granted it was against Minnesota and the Knicks. Um, but but a couple of guys have already told me, because folks have asked, are you sad that they traded Seth and Andre Drummond? Do you think that's kind of come back to bite them, not having that depth in the postseason? But players have told me, guys like Seth, guys like Andre, your role players. they'll win you games in the regular season. They may win you a game in the postseason, right? Last second shot, something, good steal. But superstars are the ones who win you series in the postseason. I and mean, James Harden, now with Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey starting to trend in the right direction. Tobias Harris may not be the most exciting player, but, man, he typically puts up close to 20 and 10 every game, and I expect him to find his footing and find his role with James here in the next couple of weeks. So um, if they can stay healthy, we know that's so huge. Uh, I could see them having a having a shot at being the team to come out of the East. But who knows? I mean, the Bulls get healthy. Lonzo and Caruso come back. Uh, the Celtics are playing out of their minds right now. So that's the question. Is it going to be the Boston we saw at the start of the season? Or is or is this the Boston we now have to pay attention to, right? That, and, is Kyrie going to get to play in New York? Is KD coming back? There's just so much intrigue. And again, just as a fan of this great game, I love that because I think it keeps
2: all of us invested in every game, which is what the NBA needs. Yeah. So I like to talk about guys that aren't household names. So how much do you like George Neon? Because I think he's a really solid bench piece. How's that for you?
1: I'm so glad you brought up George, the minivan. Everybody gives me a hard time for shouting that out. I've kind of toned down the minivan. But for folks who don't know, he gave himself that nickname when he was playing in Utah with Donovan Mitchell, the Ferrari, because it was an end of game. He had a leak out and he tried to dunk it, but he, you know, didn't didn't get all the way up to the rim. Yeah, I'm sure guys we're giving him a hard time in the locker room afterwards he goes guys donovan's a ferrari i'm a minivan guys it takes me a couple times around the block to get up to speed (laughs) um so he (laughs) he thankfully in one of his first games at the wells fargo center in philly went off for like 18 or 21 hit a bunch of threes which is what doc had talked about bringing him in for being that stretch for guy and we talked to him after the game and just asked him about it. and He said, you guys, I was just trying not to piss off the fans here at Philly. Like, I, I'm just trying to make sure they're happy. And of course, that endeared him to fans. So he's one of my guys. He's been saying hi to me since one of the first couple of days here. I have he has his own minivan shirts and hoodies, if anybody is interested. And it worked out perfectly. I bought one just in case. And then he went off and I wore it to shoot around the next day, and all the guys were giving him a hard time for having, you have a shirt? Come on, George Niang, why do you have a shirt? But he's, he's um, I think, getting back to what I was just saying about pieces that could be important, right? He's not going to play 35 minutes in the postseason, but we saw in the win over the Bucks just before the All-Star game, when he went five of 10 from three, that he can be that guy to hit a couple of, big buckets when the floor is spaced because of the great superstars he's playing with so yeah he's he's one of my favorite other guys on the team this year andy hey cake we greatly
0: greatly appreciate your time um continued success you've been fantastic and i know you'll continue to be so um hang on just for one second as we wrap up this broadcast we want to talk off the air if you will but anyway for everybody listening thank you for uh, joining in today and we'll talk to you again soon